Stories of fantastic mishaps and great success from superstars who have been brave enough to challenge the everyday norm. Life should be one continuous experiment, and here come the latest ingredients to test out with Calvin Simpson and the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile podcast. You really need to figure out what it is that you want, and then the second thing you really need to know is what you don't want. Because if you don't know what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to stay away from, you will not be able to decide what to spend your money on. You have to have strict goals. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Lindsay Berry on the podcast today, author, speaker, and fantastic 39 Forever Mom, money guru. Lindsay, it's great to have you here. Excited to finally get you on. Been meaning to get you on here for a while. Yeah, what the heck? Why did this take so long? I thought we were yeah, friends. Snoozing. I want to start this conversation off, Lindsay, with a bit of a topic that falls outside of money, but which I think is very important to people as well. And you just gave me this advice the other day when I was mentioning I had a cold on the way. I think this is important. I haven't tried it yet, but you're telling me the way to get rid of a cold is to cut an onion in half and mm -hmm. put it beside you when you sleep. Yeah, smells like garbage, but you know what? It freaking works. I'm all for this stuff. I'm going to be trying it out. If anyone here has tried it either, I want to hear that feedback too. But you started coming down with a cold yesterday and now what? Like today, how do you feel? You didn't do the onion thing, obviously. I might have just been a quick flare up. I don't actually feel sick anymore. Okay, here's another one though. This is important and this isn't necessarily a money saver when it comes to buying onions, but it's a money saver when it comes to buying cold medicine and taking time off work. So the onion thing is important. Google it if you think I'm full of it, but here's the other onion trick that is supposed to be really effective and I will admit that I've done it. You cut an onion in half and then you cut like about a half an inch chunk, like a slice off of one of the halves. You do that twice, obviously, because you have two feet, because guess what you're gonna do with it? Ooh. You're gonna stick it on the bottom of your bare foot, wrap around, wrap around it, then put a sock on and you're gonna sleep like that. And good luck if you have to get up in the night and pee, because it's really weird when you're walking with onions squishing off the bottom <laughs> of your feet. I've done it also. It may have helped. I don't really know, but. That is hilarious. I can just imagine waking up and being completely confused because I'm a terrible person after I've woken up for understanding what's going on, thinking what is on my feet right now. <laughs> oh yeah, it was bizarre. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, that's a great way to start the show off, Lindsay. I want to now <laughs> transition away from onions into my favorite question, which always sets the context of the show. In my hands, I have a weapon of mass happiness. I hand it over to you. What does it shoot? Probably Netflix. Probably <laughs> Netflix with a clear schedule for the weekend and like three awesome TV series that I've never seen that I can just indulge in. And that's a recharge after the big week that you've had. Yeah, I just sometimes need to shut my brain off and I'm not a huge TV person because I don't really feel like I can make the time and I start getting that guilty feeling as soon as I watch it. But if I had just accomplished something big and I had a clear schedule for a couple of days, I think that would be probably mass happiness in my world. I love that. So your book has just come out. Are you going to be sitting down and watching Netflix after launching? Yes. Netflix celebration is coming up this weekend. You've put a lot of hard work into your book, Lindsay. It just came out on Amazon. You. You've had the hard copy out for a while now. Yep. I want to hear where your initial inspiration for this book was. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's called The 39 Keys to Money Success for the 39 Forever Mom. And a big mission of yours is to be able to 
help moms out, get that financial information that they need. And also I understand pass it along to their kids. So who would you like to affect and what effect would you like to have with this book, Lindsay? Well, just to give you a little bit of the backstory on me and why I became a, a financial consultant to begin with, just basically coming out of high school in Dawson Creek, British Columbia, and feeling kind of ripped off by the education system, not knowing so many of the basics that really you need to know the taxes stuff. You need to know, you know, how to earn income doing other things other than just trading hours for dollars. And as I started to figure this stuff out, I was just like, wow. I know that I come from a generation, especially in Canada, that didn't learn this stuff. So there's got to be a need for someone to learn it and then just keep teaching others about it. So I was a hairdresser. I went to hairdressing school when I was 18. For the about next you know, nine years or so, I did that exclusively. And I'd like to say that I probably had the gift of gab as a hairdresser, which came in very handy when I started talking to people about money when I began my career in finance. So Basically, women was a natural fit for me as the best clients because I'd already been working with them for 10 years, yeah, beautifying them on the outside. But then when it came time to start working with people's money, I still felt a lot the same in, in that I was now beautifying financial situations instead of just their physical appearance, which has been great. So naturally, the 39 Forever Moms kind of became my clients. I'm a mom myself. I actually launched my audio book on February 28th, which is my son's 11th birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just a natural fit. And so I felt like I'm sort of having the same conversations over and over again with these ladies. So why not write a book about that stuff? Put it into a book. I love that. Looking back over time, there's always a reason that we really start and that we care about a cause like this. Did you have any financial issues that you ran into in your life? always curious where this stuff comes from. I definitely had sort of an addiction to spending money as soon as I received it. That started at a, at a really young age back before I had a lot of bills to pay and stuff. And so it just took a lot of years of figuring out where buyer's remorse actually comes from and did some reading on it and studying on it and actually got kind of tipped off to the whole dopamine thing through a fitness book that I read by Michael Matthews called Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. And that book showed me how dopamine works and how to beat it so that you're not constantly eating things that you're going to feel guilty about after or spending money on things you're going to feel guilty about after. So that would probably be the biggest lesson that I learned. When we say dopamine, Lindsay, what are we... Okay. Dopamine is a brain chemical. So, you know, back in the day, you know, a couple thousand years ago, it came in really handy because it could save you from getting eaten by a bear. It could, you know, save your life in a scary situation back in the day. But nowadays it's just a huge pain in the ass. It has no purpose. We don't need to chase down a bison and spear it for our food and escape, you know, the other bison that are wounded with spears from killing you. So, we, you know, it's now we just feel this dopamine rush when we see a pair of hot leather boots at the mall or we start to smell burgers at the mall food court. And really we have to learn that our body is sensing danger. It's actually sensing something that is getting it really anxious and the anxiousness doesn't need to be relieved by purchasing the item or eating the food. It actually would be just as happy if you would just get the hell out of there. And that was something that I learned from that book. And then I did a little more research into it. I was like, is this guy full of it? And no, it turns out dopamine as a brain chemical, it is a real scientific thing. And you have to understand what's going on behind the scenes or you'll keep giving in to that surge of dopamine, which does actually make you anxious. It raises your heart rate. 
you know, going shopping on an empty stomach or after eating crappy processed food, that can make the dopamine rush even harder. So there's lots of cool stuff like that that I figured out when it came to spending money and turned out that I didn't need tons more money. I just needed to manage the money I had better. That's cool. So it has a lot to do with our emotions and our feelings. I think everyone can relate to walking into a mall. I know personally, grocery shopping hungry. I think everyone out there has done it and it ends terribly. So relating that into the (laughs) shopping mall, um, what are some tips you have for some people who are perhaps shopaholics right now looking at actually making a change? Well, the first thing to do is to figure out what your goals are. Um, I've got my awesome goal board there behind the plant. And you really need to figure out what it is that you want. And then the second thing you really need to know is what you don't want. Because if you don't know what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to stay away from, you will not be able to decide what to spend your money on. And so you have to have strict goals. And every single thing that you see that you think you want to buy, you have to weigh it against your goals. Is that purchase going to come in the way of this ultimate goal of paying off all my debt? of investing, you know, an extra $200 a month into my TFSA. So just weighing every little purchase and every little want against your true, true goals that are firing you up. Okay. So how would you recommend people start setting goals? Cause I imagine most people, when we talk about going out and spending the money as it comes in, we're really doing that because we don't necessarily have that bigger goal or any reason to be saving the money. Yeah. So how do we start looking at now a reward of saving money instead of just going out there and spending it all? Well, when I'm working with my clients one-on-one, I get them to sort of explain to me some of their best memories over the last couple of years. Some of the things that they really, really loved doing, experiencing, buying, some of the stuff that they bought that they didn't feel buyer's remorse with, you know, asking them a question like, if you could do anything you want for the next year of your life, what would that be like? And so getting a picture of what they're really excited about and what really fires them up, that's kind of where we start with the whole goal board thing. And then I encourage them to get a cork board and start putting words and pictures of stuff on there not just palm trees and vacations but actual words and numbers so dollar amounts I want to have x amount of dollars going towards my future savings per month I want to go on this vacation at this point in time and I want to have this much saved for it so the goal board should really kind of be half pictures and half words with numbers attached to them and the key thing too is having a goal achievement date so kind of a deadline for yourself and don't beat yourself up if you don't beat it. You know, like I set a goal for my having my book completed and I was, you know, a couple months late on that and whatever. I mean, I still achieved the goal a lot sooner than I would have if I wouldn't have put a date. So that's kind of where I start with the whole goal building thing with people is helping them kind of weed out all the mundane tasks that they're completing every day and just really get in that state of mind of what makes me happy, what really fulfills me. And we talk a lot about charity and a lot about, you know, if you had a bunch of money and you could give half of it away, what would you do with it? Get their brains going there because our brains don't naturally go there. Unfortunately, the media and our friends and all that stuff, like it's just not a natural way of thinking. I mean, you have to make yourself think like that. And I definitely try to get around people like that because they're harder to find. But once you find them, they're the best people to get around because they feed that part of your brain. And Tony Robbins and, you know, Tim Ferriss podcast that you actually showed me the Tim Ferriss podcast and all those different things that you can use to feed your brain and to get your brain thinking like, do I maybe want to, you know, leave my career for a year and take my kids out of school and homeschool them and put them on a yacht for a year? Like, do I want to do that? Would that be a great way to, you know, change my kids' lives forever for the better? Our brains don't naturally go that way. So we have to feed it and make it grow. 
Yeah, that's interesting. So it sounds like a lot of the work is mindset in life. I mean, we're, yeah. in, the, we're in the malls, we're overspending. Yeah. And that becomes a lot easier once we start shifting to what do we truly want. And I love um, talking about the happiness and fulfillment, hatful yeah. right there. Yeah, <laughs> And being able to grab onto what that looks like for us. And it's 100% yeah. different for everybody else. I think that's awesome. So when you're writing out your goals and then you're putting pictures up there, Lindsay, how often are you reviewing this? You know what? I don't really have a firm structure on how often I review them. The main thing is have it in like a high traffic area of your house. If you don't work from home like me, have your goal board, maybe have two of them or take a picture of your goal board every time you change something on it and make it the screensaver at your office computer or on your tablet so that you're always seeing those things. It's not so much the structure of how often you look at them and check things off. It's just more having it front of mind all the time. That's awesome. I can see definitely looking at it first thing in the morning and in the evening as well. And if it's not necessarily in that high traffic area, that doesn't happen. And I love just make it easy on yourself, right? Put it somewhere where you're always going to be. It's not like you have to go out of the way to see it. Because whenever we typically have to go out of our way for things, it becomes a lot harder for ourselves to achieve it. During the time, we think, you know what? I'll go into the garage and I'll look at this all the time. Yeah. But realistically, a month later, will you be as high of emotion and serious about your goals if you have to mm. go out of your way to look at them? This episode, as well as the rest of the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile episodes, were brought to you by Hatful. One of the key pieces of Hatful as a business is helping authors self-publish and hit Amazon bestseller. We work specifically with people who have life experience to share. Just like this podcast, it is so important to share people's stories to help others move through their own struggles in life. Now, my story in the Life Through the Eyes of a Smile story was really born when I lost three months of my life in May 2010. You can find this story in the preview pages on Amazon, search Life Through the Eyes of a Smile. For three years, I couldn't talk about my story, but when I did, a magical thing started to happen. People started to thank me and I quickly began to learn many people had their own story in life that they were holding on to, that others needed them so badly to share. If this sounds like you or someone you know, send them to hatful.com slash share, H-A-P-P-F-U-L dot com slash share, and we're going to get that book out minus the frustration and difficulty. The world needs your message. Now let's get back into this episode. Let's jump back over to the people we surround ourselves with. Talked a bit about the value there. I guess let's talk about for yourself. Have you had a shift recently or was there a time that you said, hey, you know what? I need to upgrade my friends. Constantly. Yeah, I think about it all the time. I know we've talked about this lots before too. It's kind of 50-50 though, I've discovered, because a lot of it depends on the conversation. So if I, you know, hanging out with some friends and I go into it with the mentality of, I'm going to be super positive. I'm not going to talk much. I'm going to ask lots of questions. I'm going to get the conversation going to the future and what are your goals and what are you excited about and talk to them just like, not like a coach, but conversation with friends. It seems to become negative if you don't consciously make sure that it's a positive. So I try to go into a hangout with friends with the outcome being we both come away from this feeling more excited about life, right? Instead of it being a big bitch fest, which is super common with women, I think, right? So it's half weeding out some of my friends that I feel like suck the energy out of me and I can't seem to turn the conversation around no matter what I do. But it's also just having the conscious effort of not controlling the conversation, but having a goal almost for the conversation, right? Going in, focusing on leaving that conversation both energized. Yeah. 
Yeah, I want them to feel energized. But the thing about that that I've noticed is that's a really great way over like over the, like a, a period of three or four hangouts to figure out if this friend is going to make the cut because those kind of questions that I ask are going to go one of two ways. The person's going to turn it into a bitch fest if they're literally like in such a negative slump. Or they're going to come out and be like, yeah, 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 I'm so excited that you're asking me this because I have this on my mind and this on my mind and nobody ever asked me stuff like that. So it's a good way to kind of figure out who are those five people, your fab five, the people that you're spending the most time with. And you want those people to be, you want them to be realistic. You don't want them to be like, oh, everything's lovely all the time, even when they're kind of like, because, you know, if you need advice or whatever, you got to ask for it. But at the same time, there are those people out there that they can't see the positive in anything. So. Yeah. How about overspend friends? What do we do when we have those friends who always want to hang out and over, well, go to the mall, maybe go out, spend a bunch of money at dinner, buy a bunch of clothes. Yeah. We're looking at then shifting this and saving more money, looking at that one year goal, or perhaps even a, a few years down the road, a big goal of, Hey, you know what? I want to save money so I can do this. How do we start bridging that conversation with our overspend friends? I think I'm in a unique situation here. <laughs> Because all of my friends know what I do for a living and they probably watch most of my YouTube videos and they know that I'm a minimalist for the most part. They know how I live and how I've become because I've discovered that there's more fulfillment in stretching a dollar than in blowing it and then feeling broke till the next payday. So my friends either don't vent to me about their shitty financial decisions or I don't think that they feel comfortable explaining that to me, to be honest with you. When I'm working with clients and they're paying me to like be like, what are you doing? That's a different, when my friends are like, oh God, Lizzie's going to lecture me if I say that. So I'm not going to say that. I feel like that's how my friends are. <laughs> you put that intention out there, right? I mean, you're, you're acting what you're teaching. You have these goals. You're very straightforward with your friends about them. Even on social media, it really comes to the, hey, you know what? I'm working towards this. I'm true to my financial advisor position. I really want to be able to help people out. And you're living that life. And for people who are listening to this and they're thinking of making a change, and especially on the topic of maybe friends that aren't necessarily going in the same direction that we want to go, I have found personally and seen with a lot of the people that I work with, when you are upfront with your intentions saying, you know what, in a year from now or in two years from now, this is what I'm working towards and this is why it's important to me, your good friends, regardless if they're going that direction or not, will say, hey, you know what, that is awesome. I'm fully supportive of you and be backing you even though it might be going away from where you were. Let's say it's the shopaholic friends. Every Saturday we go out, have the lunch and have the shopping. Well, if we go in there now, saying that, hey, you know, in a year or two years from now, I'm serious about these goals. This is why I want to achieve. I can't do this as much anymore. Either come over to my house or we'll figure out something in return. That then shifts the conversation as compared to hiding your goals from your friends and be like, oh, they're going to shame me. They're not going to want to hang out with me. That is an area where I see a lot of people trip up is just hiding things that yeah. are very important to them. Whereas totally. if you're just truly open and transparent with what we're doing, then there's really no issues. Of course, there's going to be some friends in there they question the path we're going. But at that time, I'd say, well, then we need to question them as a friend. If you truly yeah. buy into this goal and this is where you want to go, it's important that people are rooting you on along the way. Definitely. I mean, I want people to hold me accountable to the stuff that I say I'm going to do. And I mean, I've been talking about some different things lately with people, but I definitely think that it's good to know the friends you can 
count on for holding you accountable and the friends that you can't. And it doesn't mean the friends that you can't aren't good friends. They are. One thing that I talked about in my book was kind of this whole best friend thing was when it comes to breaking bad habits, Dale Carnegie talks about in his book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, how to basically remove the emotion from the situation by pretending to be your best friend. So I wrote about it in my book and it talks about you need to figure out what's actually going on. And when the emotions are riding high, you can't do that. So you have to step back. Or if you can't do that, you've got to have those friends that you can call and say, hey, here's my struggle. What should I do differently? Can you please hold me accountable to this that I say I'm now going to do differently? So that's where I think a lot of friendships really kind of fall short is most people use their friends as their escape from all the stuff, you know, like that's what I've been doing with my friends for years and years. And I've got a lot of those still. And I like that. But I've got a few where I'm like, okay, I'm struggling. I really need help. And I know that they care about me and they're honest with me and they're going to help me. And I'm going to do the same for them. This actually ties into shopping and malls and wardrobes and stuff like that too. I have one friend, her name is Yvonne. She's amazing. She's helped me so much when it comes to my wardrobe because I said a year and a bit ago that I wouldn't set foot in a mall for the entire 2016, which I broke that a few times. I had to go to a mall a couple times. I had my launch at Chapters Indigo in Signal Hill. I was literally looking at my closet like, okay, I'm going to be at a bookstore with my book and I have nothing to wear. (laughs) And I even like, oh man, I should be shopping. And she was like, okay, here's some wardrobe basics that you need. And these are just things that you can mix and match and keep wearing over and over again. You could probably get rid of half the crap that's in your closet, maybe three quarters of it even. And so having a friend that is smart in a certain area and asking them for expertise, maybe not in everything, but in that one certain area. So Yvonne, even recently, I took over a huge laundry basket full of clothes that I was kind of like, eh, on the fence about. And she helped me decide what stuff to fire out and which stuff to keep and help me come up with new ideas of how to wear stuff. And so if you have friends like that, it can save you a lot of money too, because otherwise it's like every time you look at your closet, you just go shopping, which is not necessary. Yeah, that's cool. I love how that ties in with the emotion. If we look at our closet and we think, oh my God, the kind of heart starts racing. I have this event coming up. I don't have anything to wear. That's a perfect situation where it's either, hey, what would my best friend say? Like we were talking, or if you can actually call someone up and talk to them to put a little break on that emotion. And when we were talking earlier about the dopamine rushing to your head and thinking, you know what, I need to do this now. Emotional decisions are definitely some of the worst decisions we can make in our life. Granted, Sometimes we have to make a decision quick. If something comes up, let's say it's in the workforce and you need a decision now, then you're going to have to make it. But I've always found, especially on serious life decisions, it's always better to put a 24-hour time gap in there from that emotional peak. So if something pisses us off or we're real nervous about something, if we can put the time in there, just do it 100% put a 24 hour stop on it before you make a decision. And we then come back to our rational self when we're not completely overloaded with emotions. I've had a couple times in my life where I've made emotional decisions where it went terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> so I can sit here and say I've been through it. One was at a, it was a yearly review at a old workplace 
And I went in there with all this emotion of all these things that were going wrong. And I got myself completely supercharged going into it. And we ended up getting in like a shouting match at this and came away from it. And I completely torched my relationship with the one manager. Uh, the other one was a bit on the rocks, but that was an example of emotional decision-making of letting things just go out of hand and then getting into this very tense situation where if I would have just paused, stopped, said, you know what, that's the end of this. Let's uh, handle it later on or just say thank you and kind of swallow my pride, swallow my ego in that situation, it would have been so much better off because it's still at a point in life now where I look back and think, wow, I should have waited longer on that, say 24 hours or whatever it may be. I highly suggest 24 hours in them and it's huge. Because yeah, decisions when we're emotional are awful a lot of the time. We can regret them. Exactly. That's awesome. So let's talk about some of your key tips that you have in the 39 Keys to Money Success, Lindsay. Where do a lot of people fall down? We've talked a bit about shopping, the emotional highs, that dopamine, what are some other areas of our life? I mean, I really love the goal setting piece as well, being able to quantify or just visualize where we want to be to help give us that momentum into why we're saving. But what are some of the other key tips that you have or an area where you see people need to grow? An area that I struggled with for a lot of years was giving to charity, not only giving money to charity, but giving time because I felt like because I was so shitty with my money, I always felt like I didn't have any to give, but really it was just that I was shitty at managing it. But anyways, so for a lot of years, I felt so guilty about it. There's so many things that I wanted to help with. I wanted to volunteer with. I felt like I didn't have enough time and I definitely didn't have enough money. And so I finally got to a point where I was just like, you know what? I literally started building my career around sort of just putting free information out there and sharing what I know and sharing my stories of screw ups, you know, what I learned from them and not expecting compensation for most of it. You know, I, I have my clients and I make money off of, you know, consultation fees and I sell life insurance and I sell investments and I make some money there. And that is what truly pays my bills and, you know, book money and different things is just kind of gravy, right? But I don't need to make money off of every single thing I do. So I guess when it comes to, you know, a really huge tip for people when it comes to their money is start looking at ways to give it away because there's nothing more fulfilling than giving money away. It truly isn't. And I learned that like way later than I wish I would have. There were a few years there where I was giving money to, I had it coming off of my credit card <laughs> and I was just broke all the time. Like it probably pushed me into paying like an over limit fee a few times. Actually, I know it did. <laughs> but I mean, it was just one of those things where I always felt a little better knowing that I was doing something. Cool. There's a serious fulfillment that comes from giving money away. And Calvin and I just participated in the Branch Out Snowshoe Tour. Mm. Actually, I'm hoping that you'll throw the YouTube video in the show notes because uh, it kind of talks a little bit about that and how I kind of got involved in that. And then Calvin came along this year and the bike tour is coming up in June this year. So maybe going to talk you into doing that too. So when it comes to money and money success, it doesn't matter how much you hoard it and hold on to it and accumulate it for yourself. You're never going to be happy unless you start giving it away. So look for ways to, if you're a parent, teach your kids, like you teach them everything else, show by example. So show them that you give money and you give time and that you love it and that it makes you feel good. And they will learn that for sure. I mean, I, I got to say, I didn't see my family doing that a lot as a kid. I mean, other than giving money at church, absolutely. That was always there, but it, it's a little... It's a little different to give money to church than to give to a specific cause and to volunteer your time and actually go and do something with your time and your skills to help somebody that's less fortunate than you. 
Yeah, it feels amazing, doesn't it? What are a couple of charities or causes that are close to your heart, Lindsay? Well, the Branch Out Foundation, that's uh, branchoutfoundation.com. That is headed up by Crystal Phillips. And her and I became friends a couple of years ago. She was a speed skating, Olympic speed skating hopeful. And she woke up, she had actually moved from a farm by Beaumont where she grew up and she was living in Calgary and she was like an amazing speed skater. And she woke up one morning with no feeling from her abdomen down and she was diagnosed with MS and then all the aggressive drug therapies and all the stuff that the doctors recommended. And they also sort of said, you're probably never going to speed skate again. And during that five years, Crystal did everything she could to understand sort of the link between nutrition and just, you know, natural ways of healing. And she actually fully rehabilitated herself. So five years after she woke up that morning with no feeling from the abdomen down, she um, requalified for the uh, 2010 Olympic trials. So she actually was, you know, possibly going to go to the Olympics. We don't know because then she woke up with no vision in her left eye. And then doctors said, you know, the MS is back and there's a good chance you'll be in a wheelchair in two years and just pretty awful. But this time she said, you know, they of course recommended all the aggressive drug therapies and stuff. And she was like, no, I'm going to do this myself. And I've done a lot of research into, you know, naturopathic remedies and things like that. And basically a gap in our healthcare system was highlighted and Crystal was sort of determined to fill it. And so she found another friend whose mother, I think her father was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. Anyways, they joined forces and gathered all their friends together. And in 2010, they formed the Branch Out Foundation. And to date, they've raised about $2 million and all that money goes towards funding tuition for students who are researching, you know, basically how to cure or treat these neurological disorders. There's over 600 neurological disorders. Wow. Parkinson's and MS would probably be the top two that you've heard of, but even like epilepsy and concussions and Lyme disease, those are all kind of stemming from the same sort of mysterious cause. So yeah, and their their ultimate goal is to fund a world-renowned research center in Calgary in 2020. So I really got on board with that because I met Crystal. She's so great. She's about my age. I speed skated when I was a kid and I just couldn't imagine what it would have been like to be that close to being an Olympian and having that happen. And then not just kind of crumbling and turning into a poor me person, but rawr, you know, like taking charge and just being like awesome like she is. So that's the number one sort of uh, thing that I promote and, and support and spread the word about. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of things people want to help but if you, it's kind of like paying down debt. <laughs> if you if you have 18 credit cards and you're paying a little bit on every one, you're never going to get anywhere. But if you hammer one down at a time, you know, like maybe branch out will be my thing for three to five years and then I'll switch gears and put all my marketing capabilities and all of my, you know, blabbing to the world into a completely different charity. I don't know. But for the next few years, this is definitely where all my focus is going. That's awesome. What a powerful story and amazing friends you have in your life. There's another example of (laughs) a woman who's close to you and I'm sure you help her out and she helps you out a lot too. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, lots of good tips there, Lindsay. I'm super excited for your book to go out and hit Amazon bestseller. I know it will. So I encourage everyone to download your book right now. Again, it's the 39 keys to money success for the 39 forever mom. Yeah. Jump on Amazon, download it. And there's a lot of good stuff. Even if you're not a 39 forever mom, there's a lot of good money tips in there as well. Like we just talked a little bit about the credit card repayment. I launched a new website, the 39 forever mom.com. I have an existing website, veryfinancialconsulting.ca, but the new website is obviously completely for the 39 forever mom. So 
every piece of information you're going to get on there if you're a 39 Forever Mom is exclusively for you. So check that out. There's a free ebook on there available for you too. Awesome. That sounds yeah. perfect. And it's any moms with kids who are looking at saving money. Yeah. I mean, really it's, there's, there's definitely going to be some, probably some non-money related stuff on there too, because Which is good. Uh, <laughs> definitely a bit of a health and fitness uh, guru. I talk a lot about, you know, branch out and giving to charity. I guess it all kind of ties into the finance side of things, but yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a complete blast. Everyone rush over to the 39forevermom.com right yeah. now. Make sure you get your hands on Lindsay's ebook. It is awesome. And let's put that thing in Amazon bestseller. Yeah, thanks guys. Let me know what you thought of the episode at calvin at hatpool.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.